Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. So it has been a minute since I answered some of your questions, which is what this whole podcast is supposed to be about, y'all. And, you know, as we've done our people-pleasing mini-series over the last month, I've had a few questions trickle in from you all. And so today, for this episode, it's going to be a quick one, but I just want to answer a couple of those. So I've got two that I want to talk about. And so I will read the first one. Aubrey, I've been struggling with something for most of my adult life. One familial relationship I have is quite toxic, but their spouse is the most wonderful person. They have never been able to make the decision to leave, almost in a Stockholm Syndrome-like fashion. And I could not abandon this person if only for the sake of protection of some kind. I'm not sure if you would ever do a podcast on something like this, but I would be very curious about your thoughts. So, I mean, I think it goes without saying, this is a hard situation to be in. And, you know, I find myself asking some questions as I listen to this question or as I read it. You know, the first thing is, I think a lot of this and how you proceed, it does depend on what you mean by toxic. And I think the fact that you've identified this person as toxic or that, you know, your familial, one familial relationship I have is quite toxic, that your relationship with this person is toxic, I think that, you know, you can move pretty certainly with the fact that they they shouldn't be in your life, right? Um, this is somebody you need to set a boundary with, whatever that looks like for you, and you get to do that. And so, you know, that's awesome that you're able to recognize that. But your question really is less about your relationship with that person and more about your relationship with and even your responsibility to their significant other. And you describe their significant other as being in a like a Stockholm Syndrome-esque situation. And, you know, as I hear that, I think that immediately sets off some alarm bells for me. You say that, you use words like, You know, they've never been able to make the decision to leave. I couldn't abandon them if only for the sake of protection. And so, you know, immediately I'm thinking to myself, is this is this a situation that is that is harmful to this person, the significant other that even is abusive? Um, And I think a lot of how you might move forward in supporting them could look similar, whether it's like, no, this person's just kind of an asshole versus like, no, this this person's abusive and harming this this you know, significant other that I care about and that I'm worried about, right? Some of the ways you move forward might be similar, but some of them are going to be nuanced. And so I think, you know, a lot of what I'm going to talk about doesn't necessarily cover the fact that like if this person is in harm's way and if you're, if you're worried about them, 
getting them connected to, you know, local resources in their area and whether or not that, you know, they necessarily act on those resource referrals that you give them, I think is another story, but making sure that they're well connected to the resources that are available to them if they're in like a domestic violence situation or a sexual violence situation. Um, That would be my first recommendation is make sure you're aware of what the local resources are for them and that you're, you know, making sure that they're aware of those as well and that they're connected because there are there are resources available um, to support somebody who's trying to get out of a situation like that. And so <clears throat> none of my advice on this is coming from like a professional, you know, domestic violence kind of lens. Um, but that I think would be important if that's what's happening here. Um, but I mean, just from the just from the perspective of being a friend or a support to somebody, I think <clears throat> what can be really tough about being a supportive friend or being a supportive family member to someone who is in a harmful relationship or in a toxic situation is that what we want more than anything is just to tell them to get out, right? Um, we we want them out of that situation we, because we care about them. And I think a lot of folks go with like a gut instinct or have this this immediate inclination to like give an ultimatum, right? To say like, you've got to get out of there. It's the only option, or to cut them off if they're still in a relationship with that person to be like, you know, if you're still going to choose to be with them, then I can't I can't have that in my life and those things. And I honestly I don't I don't think that's the move if you want to ultimately support this person in the long run. I think that like giving an ultimatum or like threatening to cut off somebody's relationship with you if they don't leave a toxic relationship or a, you know, situation like that. I don't I don't think that's the best way to support someone in the long run. I think there are, there has to be kind of a gentler and more supportive approach than that. And to be clear, what that does not mean is that you have to remain friends or spend time with or interact with this this toxic relative of yours or in anybody else's case with the like toxic significant other or the toxic other friend, you know, the person that this person is in a relationship with, I think you get to have your boundaries there, right? I think it's reasonable for you in the case of the person writing this to to hold your boundaries and say that you don't want to be around this person, this family member. I think it's okay. It's still possible to be supportive to their significant other who you've come to care about and who you, you know, you feel concerned for and you feel protective of. And I think in many ways, those types of, you know, kind of supportive relationships where you can, you know, find a path forward that you don't ultimately cut someone out because their spouse is shitty. If you can find a way to keep maintaining a connection with them, that can be really meaningful and really helpful and healing to someone who feels stuck in a shitty relationship or with someone who's toxic or someone who's harmful to them or who doesn't make them feel good about themselves, right? Because what you're reinforcing is that, one, you're showing how to set boundaries. If you've set boundaries with like, no, I actually don't want to hang out with Tom. Sorry to anybody listening to this who's named Tom, who's not an asshole. But like, I don't want to hang out with with this person, um, but I, you know, want to stay connected with you and I care about you. And so you're, you're modeling setting healthy boundaries, but then also what you're doing is you're reinforcing that you care about this person separate from their relationship with their partner, right? That they have value separate from their relationship with their partner, which 
I think is even more powerful in the case of, you know, the person writing this because it sounds from your note like you're related to their partner and you're not related to them. And I may be misreading that, but that's what it sounds like to me. And so the fact that you're being intentional about maintaining that connection to them, I think is going to hold a lot of weight for them. And I think the key is really the nuanced boundaries you have to have while giving this person support, right? Because it's not about you taking on full responsibility for them being safe or, you know, having a good relationship with their, you know, significant other. I don't, this isn't all on you to, you know, if this, particularly if this is, person is an adult, it's not all on you to make sure they're okay. And, you know, you talk about the idea of like wanting to have a protective role for them. And I think that that's, that's well-intentioned. And I also think there's, there has to be kind of the nuance and, you know, like a realistic perspective on like what is within your control and, you know, what you can take on as your responsibility. But I think it's that and figuring out a way to offer support, right? It's figuring out a way to maintain a connection to them, to show them that you care without, you know, putting them in a shitty position or forcing them to choose between their relationship with their significant other and their relationship with you, which could ultimately just end up severing that connection that you have with them anyway, right? And I'm really sorry that you're dealing with this. I think, you know, I can imagine that that would be really fucking hard. And I I read this and I hear your care and support for this person and your concern and how much you you want them to be well and to be okay and to be happy and you say that they're a wonderful person and i think that that care and that support and that friendship is probably really meaningful to this person if if they're aware that you feel this way which i would hope they are you know i hope that they know how much you care about them and that this is on your mind and this is something you're thinking about i hope that you're able to be ha- in conversation with them about this and, and keep those lines of communication open um, and that you care about them and their their well-being this much. And I really hope for the best for them. I really do. Ask Aubrey is supported by Eliza and Wild. Eliza and Wild creates all-natural, high-potency CBD products designed to give you targeted, everyday self-care inside and out. Their ingestible and topical CBD products are consciously designed with all-natural and intentionally sourced ingredients and fully recyclable packaging. So it's good for you and for the earth. And y'all, Eliza and Wild literally does not have a single product that I don't love. I have them all and everything smells and tastes incredible and is made with ingredients that I can feel good about putting on and in my body. I take the CBD and MCT oil drops daily and they help me to really keep my anxiety and my tension under control. And they also have a line of amazing CBD topical products, including this lip balm that I am truly obsessed with. And like, did you know that CBD actually has anti-inflammatory properties when you apply it directly to your skin? Because I didn't until I started to use this lip balm and it is changing my life. And also it smells amazing, which we all know is really important. 
And I know that you're gonna love these products just as much as I do. So when you grab yours at elizaandwild.com, you can use the promo code Aubrey15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's elizaandwild.com, E-L-I-Z-A-A-N-D-W-Y-L-D.com. And make sure to use code Aubrey15, that's A-U-B-R-E-E-1-5, for 15% off. Okay, so the second question we're going to talk about. What do you think about jealousy? (laughs) Just makes me laugh. I can't even get through without laughing. What do you think about jealousy? Is jealousy always unhealthy and unproductive, or can it be a helpful emotion? This is interesting. So I don't think... I don't think jealousy is always unhealthy or unproductive necessarily. I don't think jealousy is always anything. I don't think many things are always anything. Don't think things are that black and white. I think I think jealousy is just like any other feeling in that it's not really something we can control. I, I think we, you know, as much as we want to, as much as we tell ourselves we can control it, I don't think it's something we can control. And so... I don't think judging ourselves for it is super helpful. And I think that's what we so often do. So like for me personally, I feel jealous all the time. (laughs) All the time. I get to, you know, I notice that I feel jealous when my friends get to see each other without me. I feel jealous. Oh, big one is I feel jealous of people without kids. When they can just, you know, spend a whole day in silence in bed. Or, you know, people who don't have to think about childcare, who, you know, school reopening is not even on their minds because that's not a part of their world, right? I feel jealous. But I think the way that we talk about jealousy is often to judge ourselves for that or judge other people for that and say, if I'm jealous, then I must not be happy with what I have. Or like, you know, dismissing what someone else says and using the rationale of jealousy to dismiss somebody outright. So to say like, oh, that person's being an asshole because they're just jealous of you, right? And so we use this as a a reason to judge ourselves or to judge other people. And to say that, you know, jealousy means that we're unhappy, more inherently unhappy with what we have. And I think that that is bullshit. I think that's true sometimes. Like I think that sometimes jealousy stems from a place of like being unsatisfied with what you have. But I think jealousy is just like any other feeling in that it, it really serves to illuminate something for us. It's, it's lighting up something that we then can get curious about. So if we stop it at just having the feeling and the feeling is disruptive, right, like it's frustrating and we can judge ourselves for it and whatever and like hope, we, hope that makes us not feel it again. Spoiler alert, judging yourself for shit doesn't make it go away. It just makes you feel like shit about it. But instead, you can get curious about it. And, you know, the we think about jealousy, I think what a lot of people think about is, you know, romantic relationships. I think that's often like the first thing that pops up. And for me, I have been in several romantic relationships that were ethically non-monogamous in some way. So ethically non-monogamous meaning, you know, one or more of us involved were in multiple romantic relationships at a time and everyone was aware. That's the ethical part. Um, Everyone was aware is communicating is consenting to it. 
And I think in a lot of spaces that talk about non-monogamy, there's this idea that, you know, jealousy is bad and it has to be unlearned. Like jealousy is a bad thing. It's a bad habit. And it's ingrained in us and it has to be unlearned for ethical non-monogamy to work. And I just, I don't think that framing is very helpful. And I think in a romantic or even, honestly, even in like a platonic relationship context, yes, I think that jealousy can be born out of possessiveness, right? It can be born out of this, you know, viewing others as our property or, you know, believing that we we get to have control or ownership over other human beings, right? And yes, that certainly is a tenet of toxic monogamy culture. And I think, you know, you see how ethical non-monogamy is trying to kind of like subvert that or undo that idea that like other people are not your property. Like you don't get to control what other people do. Um, and like we have to unlearn this idea of like jealousy as possessiveness, right? But I don't think it's then fair to say that all jealousy is a byproduct of toxic monogamy culture and, you know, is is to be shamed. I think that you can feel jealous and you can still fully recognize that your partner is not your property. I think that you can feel jealous and still really like yourself and your life as it is. I think you can feel jealous and still have gratitude for what you have and you can still believe that others deserve what they have too. I think the key with this, as with really all things that we feel, is to dig another layer deeper. So to say, I feel jealous right now. To name, First of all, to name that feeling. That's something we are, it's, that's a feeling that there's a lot of shame around. So we're often unwilling to even name it in the first place. So being willing to name, I feel jealous right now. Why? And asking ourselves why and not from a place of like, well, this person did this thing and, you know, such and such gets to do so and so thing, whatever. It's not about that. It's why, what is the desire underneath this, right? We feel jealous because someone else has something we want. And so the part we can't control is the someone else having, but where we do have some control is the something we want, right? So I'm jealous of folks who don't have kids, lately especially, oh my God. And like on its face, if I say I'm jealous of people who don't have kids, you can read that as, you know, me wishing I didn't have my kids, which is not true. I love my children. But the reality is that I feel jealous of people who don't have kids right now because I am harboring this deep, desire for some time away from my kids that I haven't had in like five months now. Ooh, that's bananas, five months. You know, this is a normal desire. It is normal as a parent who loves their children to want to have a little bit of space from your children. And our normal routines allow for us to have that, right? But what this realization lets me do when I peel it back this way, I don't feel guilt about, and there's a million other layers to this idea of like mom guilt. I'm doing big air quotes right now with like an eye roll. Mom guilt um, and, you know, feeling guilty for like wanting to spend time away from your children as if you become a parent and a mother especially and 
your children are supposed to become your whole world and you shed the entire rest of your identity. But that's another podcast episode. But, you know, what I'm able to do is say, no, it's not me feeling jealous of people who don't have kids is not about me not wanting to have my kids anymore. Let me think about what it is that I want that they have. It's time alone, right? It's time to themselves. It's time for like reflection and silence and peace. And like, what does that look like? And it it lets me think about, okay, how can I fulfill that desire for some alone time, for some silence, for some peace, even in a small way, even if it's not in a like, you know, spend a week and a half with no kids. That's not realistic for me right now. But how can I get some time to myself? How can I, you know, talk to my partner about that and find a way to even get just like a couple of hours of alone time since I know that's the deep root desire here. So how can I find a way to meet that need for myself? So no, jealousy is not inherently bad. I think it's pretty human, pretty normal. And I think in order for it to be healthy, I think the key is that the choices you make as a result of it have to be healthy. The choices you make as a result need to not be shaming and judging the crap out of yourself or shaming or judging the crap out of other people or being nasty or, you know, just suppressing it and pushing it down. I think the choices that you make have to be some choices of self-reflection, getting curious about that feeling, and then being willing to be kind and tender toward yourself and recognize that there's a need in there somewhere. There's a desire in there that deserves to be met. And that's where you ultimately have control. All right, babes, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, Don't forget that you can submit your own questions. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I have questions, Aubrey, that I want you to answer. You can submit those either on Instagram or at my website, uh, aubreyhenderson.com, and your question could be featured on a future podcast. And there's really, there's really no limit to what I am willing to talk about here, y'all. I had a friend this weekend say to my wife, I don't know anyone that likes the sound of their own voice, except maybe your wife. (laughs) And he's right. I will talk about anything, literally anything. So send me your questions. I'm ready. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.